0: Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media.
1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co host, Alex Wilson. And we gotta talk about last night's game because that was one of the worst New York Giants games I have ever watched in my life. There are only a handful of games that I could think of that will rival this one. Anything that could have went wrong, went wrong. I'm almost at a loss for words, but as I find my words, I'm going to find plenty to say about this team, about my level of disappointment with this team in this week one matchup with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you're talking about going on the national stage on primetime in week one. Everybody is watching you, and you go out there and you put together that performance— I've never quite seen anything like that from the New York Giants. This was bad. This was hard to watch, and that's not just to say the offensive line. We're going to dive into how bad that offensive line was. We're going to have that Evan Neal conversation in today's episode. We're going to talk about all these guys, Mark Lewinsky, but you even got to look to the defensive side of the ball and say, where were you guys? Where What were you thinking, Daniel Jones? Where were you, Kayvon Thibodeau? Where were you, Aziz Ojalari? This is one of the worst performances I've ever seen, and honestly— To make matters worse, this team did not only look like under-talented, they looked under-coached. They looked like they were outmatched in every single way possible. Mike McCarthy is not that guy, but he looked like that guy in comparison to Brian Dable last night, and that pains me to say that because I love and believe in Brian Dable, but last night... That It raises some questions here as to what the New York Giants are planning to do this 2023 season. And again, I know that it's only one game. It's only week one. The Giants have the Cardinals next week. They can turn it around. They can have a 40-0 win against the Arizona Cardinals next week. If they don't, we have to have a serious conversation after that performance. But this game was just something that I could never have imagined happening Uh, before it happened you know we were talking about the Giants winning this game we thought we had a legitimate opportunity to start the season off on the right note against a divisional opponent man what a freaking disappointment so We're going to go ahead and dive into everything. There's my opening remarks. I had to get that off my chest, but before we dive into all of it, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But Alex, without further ado, how are you doing today? And what are your thoughts on that demolition that we watched last
0: night? Um... Ah, so you don't even have to ask me how I'm doing today, man. Jason Dominguez of the Yankees has a torn UCL, and then it'll be followed up with one of the worst performances from a Giants team I've seen in a long time. We've seen a lot of bad performances, dude. Um, I know you guys watching right now. How many bad performances have we come after and talked about on this podcast? How many times have we said this is this that was the worst, some of the worst football I've ever seen? We've seen QB sneaks on second down. We've seen QB sneaks on third down. We've seen everything bad. That a peewee football team could do better. This Giants team has done worse, and and I and I honestly, I'm at a loss for words. We had so much potential going into this season. We had so much hype and excitement. We we thought we had gotten better. And what we saw last night was not the Giants team that we believe in. It's not the Giants team that we know they can be. It's not the Giants team that we saw in the postseason last year knock off the Vikings. Keep in mind, the Vikings lost to the Dallas Cowboys forty to three last year. You know, they were the eighth seed in the in the in the division or in the in the league. So, you know, it happens. Teams get blown out, teams have bad days, momentum compounds, teams go down the shitter, but I'm not going to sit here and wave the white flag right now because I know that this team is not as bad as what we saw last night. It got really bad really fast. It started with an Andrew Thomas false start. Then a John Michael Schmitz botched uh, snap. Then it started – then it happened a blocked field goal that went for a touchdown. And then it just got worse and worse and worse from there. And the second that they the Dallas took the fans out of it, the second that Dallas took our offense out of it, it was just – it was game over. Like, they were scoring at will, not because of their offense, but because of their defense. Their defense looked phenomenal. They may have something special going on there. Their pass rush is no joke. Um, but I'll tell you what right now. There's a lot of weaknesses on this Giants team that continue to show up week in and week out, year in and year out. And it starts with the right tackle position. Evan Neal, my man, what did you do this offseason to get even fucking worse? How did you get worse? In an offseason that you worked with some phenomenal players in the past, you reworked your fundamentals. My guy was looking like a Mario Kart power-up for their freaking edge rushers. He was pushing them towards Daniel Jones. He was giving them a boost, like those freaking turtles you throw behind you that gives you a boost. The guy was just a fr- How are you 360 pounds and six foot seven, and somehow you're getting run through? Just step in the fucking way, man. Get in the way. He's literally getting run around. Mark Lewinsky, you might as well be called fucking Casper, You're not even on the field, bro. You're a ghost. There is nobody on that right side of the offensive line that deserves any sort of praise. They gave up 17 total pressures. Mark Lewinsky, nine pressures and three sacks. Evan Neal, eight pressures and one sack. And I saw, I clipped over and over and over again Evan Neal getting beat off the edge. They were just double team. Their backups were in and beating the shit out of them. I haven't seen an offensive line perform that poorly in a long time, and we've had Eric fucking flowers on our offensive line, and excuse me for my language, that I'm pissed off. We have been working and investing money, investing draft capital, investing in coaches, to try and solve a problem that's been existing, an evergreen problem that's been here for a decade, and we haven't even taken a small step forward. Andrew Thomas, he gave up three pressures last night, and he was injured after like the first quarter. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He had a hamstring injury, still stayed in there, and still beat up on some of those pass rushers. Um, I'm not sitting here and telling the offensive line was good at all. Ben Bredesen, he was the only guy I didn't hear about, which means he probably was okay. I think he gave up two pressures. He was one of our best offensive linemen yesterday. JMS had a couple of really bad snaps. He's a rookie. I'll give him the benefit of of the doubt, but Mark Lewinsky is a veteran. Evan Neal got worse somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. He dropped 10 pounds, seemingly got a little bit faster. He was like, my hands and my feet, they feel better. He After the game, he's like, I don't want to feel like this ever again. Well, clearly something needs to change. Is it Bobby Johnson's fault, Anthony? Is it time that we start questioning Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, and saying, hey, you are not making these guys better. Ben Bredesen and, and, and Andrew Thomas, they're they're fine players. I'm okay with them. I have nothing I have no qualms against those two guys. Um but when it comes to the right side, they are a mess. If you actually watch the pass blocking, there is no camar- there is no chemistry or a synergy across the whole line. You know what I mean? You can have synergy off oh, over one section of it. But if you watch Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal, they look like they're playing different positions. They look like they're not even on the same team. Evan Neal, as far as I'm concerned, was helping Dallas. He was a freaking imposter yesterday. He was playing for them. He may as well switch fucking jerseys and started rushing the passer with them. That's how little of an impact he made. He has to be better. And the worst part about what's happening right now is we have no choice but to continue to feature Evan Neal at right tackle. There is no other alternative. Because if you ha- if you don't have Andrew Thomas or Matt Parrott next week, who are both probably going to be missing next week due to the injuries they both sustained. You have Josh Azudu at left tackle, guys. You're in big trouble. You have to stick with Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal again. You have to hope to the good football gods that somehow they save any resemblance of, of of a little bit of pride that they have left. They were demoralized. If we're Brian Dable, I'm going right to Bobby Johnson and say fix this shit or you're out of a job next week because that's really what it should be. You have to go in and fix these guys. That is your job. As a coach, you have to make your players better. You have to make your players at least be competent in some regards. Those two guys, Mark Lewinsky was good for the Colts a couple years ago. He's not that bad. Like What we saw yesterday was, to, to me, is it confidence? Is it chemistry? Is it coaching? I I don't even think if you tried to be that bad, it's like trying to get every question on the SAT wrong. They accomplished that somehow. It's actually hard to be as bad as they were yesterday. I never saw Eric Flowers be that bad, and we saw some of the war, we saw we literally saw him as a turnstile. He might as well have been at fucking Trader Joe's checking people out because that's exactly what he was doing all, uh, during his time attacking for the Giants. But now you have Evan Neal doing it, and he was a seventh overall pick, guys. I mean, look, I know a lot of people are saying Kayvon Thibodeau, they're calling him a bust. I'm not there with Kayvon Thibodeau yet. I think if you're calling Kayvon Thibodeau a bust now, it's a little premature personally. We're gonna get into that in a second. But Anthony, when you're looking at that right side of the line, how are you feeling about that? Because man, I haven't seen that that I haven't seen as bad a performance from a unit on the Giants. And this is a unit that a team that has had really bad offensive line for a decade. I haven't seen that bad of a performance in since I was a diapers, man. I don't even know if I've ever seen in my whole life in 27 years, have ever seen a performance that bad in my whole life. And it was against Dallas at home week one with all that hype, all those expectations. It was sad, man. Those guys, they got to forget about that. They got to look at the film, watch it, like literally sit down and watch that because they deserve to feel how embarrassed they were. But they got to forget about it on Wednesday. Get over it. Prepare for Arizona because it's a it's a short turnaround. And then you've got the freaking 49ers coming up after that who have Nick Bosa. Um, and you're <laughs> – it's going to be a war, man. I mean – These guys, they got to have some pride. Mentally, physically, they got to show some pride because right now, these guys are trending towards some of the biggest busts I've seen in a long time on that right side.
1: Yeah, Alex, in there, you asked me how am I feeling? What are my feelings about that offensive line? That right side of the offensive line, I feel disgusted. That was a disgusting performance. Like That was hard to watch. It was so ugly. And Daniel Jones took a serious freaking beating. Evan Neal, I think it's time to start having the conversation. Is he a bust? Is it too soon to label him that? In my opinion, listen, any of you fans in the comments, you go down there and you drop Evan Neal as a bust in the comments no no problem with me you can give him that label at this point I'm not even going to debate you on it because we did see him get worse and that's the most concerning part we've never seen a performance this bad from him to my memory never seen something this bad from him all of last season and then week one season two and it's worse somehow. He's this much worse. It's shocking to me. I can't believe that that's the the performance that Evan Neal turned in. And as you mentioned, Mark Lewinsky, if Andrew Thomas is healthy to go healthy and ready to go next week at left tackle, Josh Azidu needs to start at right guard. You gotta put Mark Lewinsky on the bench. That was. You can't justify keeping him on the field with a performance like that. That was putrid. That was the worst performance from a right guard, right tackle tandem that I've ever seen in my life. Mark Lewinsky had three sacks allowed and nine pressures. I mean, one of the things that's really shocking to me, and this is where you ask me, Alex, is Bobby Johnson the problem? Yes, I think Bobby Johnson is part of the problem. Because one of the things that we're seeing here between Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky is a complete failure to communicate. They are never on the same page. They do not know how to see those stunts that are just so obvious, plainly obvious. They were getting toyed with, played with. And credit to Dallas, they have a great defense. They have a phenomenal just group of pass rushers and defenders. The Dallas Cowboys are a very good football team. But the Giants made them look even better than they are. They are an elite defense with elite players, but the Giants right side of that offensive line looked lost like they had never played the sport before, and they made everybody in front of them look amazing. I mean, Mark Lewinsky and Evan Neal had so many stunts being sent their way and just never figured out how to pick a single one up. And this is what I said all offseason long. I got a little bit of heat for it in the comment section on this channel. I said, I think with Evan Neal, it might not be physical. It might be mental. It's not the fact that he's not a good athlete. We know that he is. He's six foot seven, 340 pounds, and he moves like he's 200. 40 pounds, right? I've said this a million times, but he fails to see stunts every time they're sent his way. When you're going up against the New York Giants, you throw a stunt, you throw a twist, you send an extra blitzer on the right side of the line, and Evan Neal will never see it coming. That's been the story all throughout his rookie season. It was the story against the Carolina Panthers, which is why I brought it up this preseason, because he let up a sack because he just didn't see a stunt, which is the same problem that he had last year. And week one, here we are. Everyone was like, no, give him some time. It's only the preseason. He missed a lot of time of practice. Week one, he didn't see a single stunt. Every time a stunt came his way, he failed to pick it up and he lost the pass protection rep. So I think that it's mental with him, and that's not something that's so easily fixable unless you have a damn good coach. And this tells me that Bobby Johnson is not a damn good coach. Bobby Johnson's cooked. Bobby Johnson does not know what he's doing. And for what it's worth, that guard rotation that they were trying all summer long— what was he thinking? I, I was always thinking that's not a good way to develop. Yes, I understand they want to have azido with some compatibility on both sides of the line here. They want to get Bredesen, see where he's going to wind up, right guard, left guard. But even thinking back to last year when the Giants found the starting left guard in Ben Bredesen, they kept rotating him out anyway to give Josh Azitu practice reps in the middle of these games. They got to stop. Get your get your starters, develop them, and keep them in the starting lineup and stop rotating them. This week at practice, I don't want to hear about Lewinsky rotating in and out. Either he started and he's practicing with the first or he's playing with the second team and Joshua Zidu's taking his spot. But no matter what, I don't want to see Mark Lewinsky on the field next week. If the Giants have bodies that are healthy to go out there, I think Mark Lewinsky needs to be punished for this performance. And for what it's worth, long term, when that Evan Neal conversation continues... He might be right guard, and we might be looking for a new right tackle of the future in next year's draft, because that's the kind of performance Evan Neal just turned in. Guys, we've watched bad offensive tackle play. Eric Flowers left the nastiest taste in my mouth every time he stepped on the football field, and I think that this performance by Evan Neal is worse than any performance that I ever saw from Eric Flowers when he was the right tackle or the left tackle of the New York Giants. That's how bad this was from Evan Neal, in my opinion. Humble opinion here, but man Evan Neal got humbled himself didn't he what a freaking game from the Giants offensive line and I mean that in the worst way possible I've just never seen anything like this for what it's worth I thought John Michael Schmitz played fine I thought he had a fine game uh the bad snap that happened the wall was wet but overall man I've never seen anything like this on the offensive end this is the worst offensive line performance I think I've ever watched I mean the Giants playbook just got torn apart they couldn't even throw the ball
0: yeah, um, I, I just want to chime in on one last thing. Um, what, what I saw from Evan Neal yesterday, there were times, and I, and I screen grabbed it on Twitter too, that everybody, like the snap would happen, and he would be the last one out of his stance. And by the time that he actually got into his stance, the edge rushers were by him. He was, he was running after them. That tells me he doesn't even know the freaking snap count. You know what I mean? If you're that delayed, like if, if you watch Andrew Thomas, he kicks out like two three feet behind him like right as the snap happens good offensive tackles get out of their stance instantly Neal looks like he's on like a 10 second streaming delay like he looks like he's not even in the same realm like he is lagging like you were playing call of duty and suddenly you lag or somewhere else and you're like what the hell just happened like that's Evan Neal. like he just freaking lags and he's like somewhere else not where he's supposed to be um and it's, it's crazy to me because if you're an edge rusher all you have to do, if he's hugging that tackle line, he's not getting out quick enough, all you have to do is just run literally straight backward, right? Straight backward behind him. You don't even need to have any bend. You just have to run straight. And you push Daniel Jones into the pocket, and then you just collapse it. Or Daniel Jones rolls out, and you have guys blitzing off the edge, and he's done. Like, he can't get the ball out fast enough. So let's talk about Daniel Jones, though. Let's talk about Daniel Jones' impact and what happened to here. There's a good transition to the, what we saw from him. Um, we saw, I mean, look, let's get one thing straight. There is no quarterback in football that could survive with what we saw last night on the offensive line, okay? What we saw on the offensive line, there was nothing, no quarterback in human history that could survive with what we saw. Nobody that would have won that game, nobody that would have made that competitive because that was just embarrassing from on, all, on, all, on all sides, on all angles. It was embarrassing. So I'm gonna give Daniel Jones one piece of credit right now. He wouldn't have been able to win that game Anyway, there's no way. If he was Patrick Mahomes, he would have gotten killed. If he was Josh Allen, he would have gotten killed. If he was Dan Marino, would have got freaking killed. There was nobody that was gonna do that, that was gonna win that game for the Giants. Okay, they were they lost that game in the trenches way early on. But there was a couple things that I did not like. For right off the bat, we started running the football and we were pounding the rock and we were setting the run and we were you know starting to like actually move the chains. And then the second drive, we didn't throw the ball. We didn't run the ball once. We had four straight incompletions and we were all, three straight incompletions. We were off the field. Why did we abandon the run so early? You know, instead of instead of actually running the ball, milking some clock, keeping the momentum out of their hands, we immediately threw three incomplete passes, gave the ball right back to them, and they scored immediately again. You know what I mean? Like that's where I got concerned with the Giants, because like it's you. Football is a game of momentum. It sways. You know, if you watch any game, except for yesterday, that was completely not for Dallas. But usually there's sways and ebbs and flows in a game. Um, and the Giants just completely let the momentum keep building for Dallas. The coaching, Dable, he deserves blame for that, too, because he did not coach a good game at all. Um, and, and, you know, and for what it's worth, Daniel Jones, they should have pulled it after the third quarter. They should have pulled it maybe before then. When it was 33-0, like we're, we're getting up there. Daniel Jones, they they kept him in there after Andrew Thomas, and he, Andrew Thomas should been pulled earlier too. They kept Daniel Jones in there to die. They wanted him. They, and Daniel was like, was like, I wanted to stay in the game. Um, I, you know, Dable says we wanted to see a spark. <laughs> How are you gonna see a spark with your left tackle out and Daniel Jones not being able to throw the ball? You know what I mean? Like there was never a chance. You take out your players there. You just you'd wave the white flag instead. You just got more guys hurt. You know you, you you risk Daniel Jones getting injured. And like if Daniel Jones goes down, like we don't stand a chance at that point. So, you know if you're the Giants right now. And you're looking at what Daniel Jones did yesterday. The interception he threw, real that was that was the old Daniel Jones. That was the old DJ that we've seen in the past. He looked like he was about to hold it and just go out of bounds. He he like pumped it and then he stopped and then he was like, yeah, screw it and threw it anyway. That was the old Daniel Jones there. That was the version that we do not like. That is the bad Daniel Jones. Um, giving him, I'm definitely saying to, to, on that specific play, bad play, you cannot do that. Um, but at the end of the day, how do you sit here and blame Daniel Jones for what happened yesterday you know what I mean that was a special team's disaster that was an offensive line disaster no quarterback would have been able to win that game let alone make it competitive so if I'm if I'm you know from a from a fan perspective I, I I definitely think that there is blame to go to Daniel Jones don't get me wrong I think there's a percentage of it that has to be placed on him but in no means have I giving him the full the full brunt of that blame no means at all I know a lot of people in the comments are gonna say he is not worth the money he's this he's that. Guys, if if Patrick Wells making $50 million behind this offensive line, I guarantee you we'd be saying the same things about him. He's not worth the money because there's nobody that would have succeeded behind that offensive line. I want to make that the paramount narrative here. Daniel Jones is not fully to blame for that loss by any means. If they give him time in the pocket, he can do good things. But the problem is he didn't even have a split second. We couldn't even see him quarterback. You know what I mean? That's sad, and like I mean, Jalen Hyatt dropped that pass. It was a little bit behind him, but again, it hit him in the hands. Like you got to catch that at the NFL level. You're being paid millions to catch a football. It was maybe it was right here. You know, it was was right there. You got to catch that ball. Um, you know, there was some throws that Daniel Jones did make that I was like, okay, that was good, but overall, it wasn't enough. It wasn't even close. So. Daniel Jones, definitely blaming him a little bit, not entirely. We need to see a lot better from him, too. You know, that's, that's the thing I want to say. We need to see a lot better from him, but it starts in the trenches, and that is where we should be focusing. But, you know, Anthony, when you're talking about Daniel Jones, what are your thoughts? Um, I know you have a lot to say on that front, too.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about Daniel Jones a little bit. I don't I don't want to hit the doomsday like you've mentioned. Um, I'm not going to say he's overpaid. He's a bust. He's not going to turn around. I think that he could turn it around, okay? Like you said, no quarterback in the NFL could succeed behind that offensive line performance last night. He was under pressure within the first two seconds of nearly every single passing snap. It was just unreal. But Daniel Jones could have been better, okay? Like you mentioned that, um, that Jalen Hyatt play, and I think that's a good one to bring up an example for... This topic of conversation that I've tried to kind of bring up here and there on the channel before, burping the baby, right? That's a term for when quarterbacks are holding the football and they pat it before they throw, right? They kind of tap it and then they throw because it's a mental timing thing in their head. Back in high school football, they tell you to stop doing that. In college football, they definitely tell you to stop doing that. I don't know how Daniel Jones has made it to this stage in his NFL career, continuing to burp the baby, and it is disrupting his timing. I've mentioned it before on the channel. He had a good season last year. You guys know I believe in Daniel Jones. I said on the live stream on Saturday night, he's going to be a top 10 quarterback this year. I still think that's possible if the Giants fix this offensive line issue and they continue to develop Daniel Jones and the offensive lineman throughout the year. I still think he can be a top 10 quarterback. It's only week one. But This is something that Daniel Jones needs to work on. There was the pass to Jalen Hyatt that you just mentioned. Yes, the ball was behind him, but yes, it was catchable, okay? Jalen Hyatt 100% should have caught that pass, but had Daniel Jones not taken that extra second to pat the ball and then throw it, the ball is not behind him. It's in front of him. So yes, it's catchable, but those marginal differences... That's what I'm talking about. I've been saying this for a couple years. That is a very marginal difference, but it makes a difference, right? That could have hit Jalen Hyatt in the chest in stride, and then you're seeing the 4-3 speed take, up, uh, take off up the field. But instead, it's behind him. He has to slow down. He's a rookie. He's got to make an adjustment that he's not ready to make. Again, Hyatt should have caught it, but with without padding that ball for that half a second, that ball is on the money. And then there was another play down into the flat to Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell was wide open for a full two seconds. Daniel Jones pats the ball, then throws, then it's behind him, and then Trayvon Diggs is there, and it's an incompletion. It happens more than once, and this is something that Daniel Jones has to fix. In my opinion, he's got to do away with burping the babies, but doing it his entire football career, but it's something that hasn't been coached out of him, and it's always confused me because you see the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They stand in a pocket. They see somebody open. They throw it. They don't pad the ball. They just sling that thing, and that's what Daniel Jones needs to start doing, and he hasn't, and yes, he's gotten away with it, and he's made some great throws, and I'm not blaming him for this loss last night, but that's one very niche little topic of conversation that I had to just throw out there and give my opinion on because I saw it disrupt him on multiple passing attempts last night and result in incompletions. So it's just something that he's got to work on. And again, it's something that he should have been working on by now. There is something to be said about the fact that Daniel Jones, yes, it's taken him this long to progress, and that's part of the problem. He's made a lot of progress. He's a good quarterback in my mind, but there's still some work there. There's still some work to do with Daniel Jones. And... I think that he played the best that he could in those circumstances – um, because that was just the worst offensive line performance I've ever seen, but there is still something for Daniel Jones to work on. He needs to be better next week as well. He has room for improvement, and I need to see him be more decisive with his throws. Stop hesitating and read the defense better. There was a play, uh, Dan Schneier on Twitter, he pointed it out on the interception to Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones completely misread the defense. He thought it was man covered, so he tried to throw it out quick to Barkley, give him a one-on-one. It was zoned. Trayvon Diggs bailed, hit uh, Barkley, and there was a wide receiver that was just wide open open up the left sideline for a whole shot and Daniel Jones never saw it that could have been a big play an explosive play in a big game downfield. So Daniel Jones missed some reads. He didn't have a whole lot of opportunities to throw to open receivers, but even when he did, he squandered those opportunities. And I know he was flustered and he was panicky because he was getting hit so quickly, so frequently, but he's got to be better. The whole team needs to be better. We cannot just mention the offensive line and give Daniel Jones a pass because of the offensive line. It goes in tandem. They both need to be better, and Mike Kafka needs to be better. And like you said, Alex, abandoning the run that quickly is ultimately what damned this game because that first drive they ran down the field they marched down the field through the running game second drive after that field goal uh, block attempt touchdown I think Mike Kafka panicked he was like I don't want this game to get out of hand Daniel Jones needs to start throwing the ball and we need to to respond quickly well then they threw those three straight passing plays and the whole offense sank it the whole game just imploded from there You gotta have a little bit more composure if you're Mike Kafka in that situation, in my mind. That's how I feel about it. I think it was a complete failure on the offensive end. But we do also gotta talk about the defensive end, Alex, because we've really just ripped through this entire offense. And there's a lot to be said about wide receivers not getting open. Daniel Jones needs to be better. The offensive line is abysmal, right? But on the defensive end, We also got some nothing burgers from a few of our players. Aziz Ojolari, I forgot that he was on the Giants last night. Kayvon Thibodeau, I saw him out there, but I didn't see him do much. He had four tackles, zero pressures. He never got after the quarterback. What I will say, Dexter Lawrence looked like Dexter Lawrence. Credit to him. I thought he played a great game. Leonard Williams, I thought, played a good game. And I also think that the rookie cornerbacks played some good games. Now, Deontay Banks missed some time. He had some cramps, a little bit of a hamstring cramp, I think it was, and something like that. And he's a little bit banged up. I think he's going to be okay. But he didn't allow an incompletion and he had two pass breakups so that's pretty good stuff from Deontay Banks rookie first round cornerback and Trey Hawkins one reception allowed 19 yards um and he also had that pass interference but I don't hold that against him because I thought that was a crappy call and one other player Xavier McKinney I thought looked like Xavier McKinney he had a really good game he was all over the field but overall the run defense Alex This is something that we talked about all offseason long. We said the Giants have made so many improvements to their roster. This run defense is going to be such a significant upgrade compared to what it was last season. That is not at all what we saw last night. What is your reaction to that run defense in particular and just how poor it was against the Dallas Cowboys banged up, broken offensive line and Tony Pollard?
0: Uh, I mean, I, I do want to throw in my two cents on the uh, pass rush for a second because you, you kind of sparked my interest. And I was like, oh, you know, how many pressure did Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojalari have yesterday? Guys, they combined for zero pressures. Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau had zero pressures yesterday combined. I mean, look, I get Dallas' offensive line is good, but that is unacceptable, right? Unacceptable. Ojalari, known for his pass rush prowess. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, expected true, have a big second-year breakout they didn't even get a pressure. That's their whole job, is to get pressures. Dexter Lawrence, shout out to him. He's the only one that showed up yesterday. Also, I'll throw one another one right there. Deontay Banks, loved what I saw from Deontay Banks. Um, he had that pass breakup in the red zone. He, he left his man to make a, make a nice play. He had cramps, so he should be fine next week. Um, but he looked good. Trey Hawkins? That defensive pass interference, they're going to call it, but it was weak. You know, I thought that Trey Hawkins was fine. He gave up one reception. They didn't really target him that often. I thought the coverage was actually okay. You know, I actually didn't like – I think what what really struggled, we couldn't cover tight ends for Jack Shea yesterday. Jake Ferguson and the other guy, uh, they dropped two passes. One of them was an easy touchdown. So those tight ends, still a problem, still having trouble with that. Bobby O'Karake, we like you, man. Definitely got to step up there. Um, I don't know what kind of happened there in coverage. Tory Jackson, he was lost in the slot. Oh, my goodness. Another world for him. He looked poor, piss poor. CeeDee Lamb was all over the place. And Look, playing in the slot is not easy. You have to navigate a lot of bodies going in, and they had CeeDee Lamb lined up in the slot. There was one play specifically. It was a busted coverage. They had CD Lamb kind of going, running on this wheel route. Um, from the slot position and Adore Jackson Jackson got completely swallowed up in man coverage by two guys crossing over the middle um, they weren't they weren't like actual pick plays but it was designed to get him bottled up there and he got bottled up and he couldn't get to C D limb ended up being a huge gain um, so, you know Adore Jackson just struggled to to man up with him because he's not used to playing in the slot he got a, a big lesson yesterday about how hard it is um, but I actually liked Banks out there I thought Hawkins was serviceable at times I, I, I didn't see so I didn't see a lot so much bad that i was like all right that's a problematic player it was fine from him mckinney i thought he had a couple of decent moments but Ojulari, Z, you know Z's and Kayvon thibodeau they were just complete ghosts like they didn't even show up to play that was really disappointing to me look i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that Kayvon on is a bust i think it's way too early to make that designation but he has got to be better gotta be better, man. You can't do that. You can't You can't put performances like that on the football field. Look, Zach Martin, he completely destroyed anyone that came in his path. He's one of the best tackles, or other best guards, in the history of the game, so you expect that from him. But they had Chuma Adoga, a backup tackle for the Jets, playing left guard for them, and we still couldn't get after Dak Prescott efficiently. Leonard Williams, um, I heard he had a couple of okay snaps, but I didn't hear his name much either. Um, Micah McFadden had a decent game. I saw him around the football a lot. But look, you know I saw Isaiah Simmons show that athleticism. He had a nice play. Uh, I think he, he caught up to Tony Pollard on a on a reception that, uh, on the sideline. He he really you know got after him. So I, I think you know Michael McFadden outsnapped him a lot. But I think McFadden wasn't that bad altogether. But man, if as long as those tackle, as long as those edge rushers are bad in terms of Kevido, uh, Thibodeau and Azizo Jelari, we're in deep crap, guys. Like they they got to be better. I mean that was one of the worst games of those two combines I've ever seen. So. Um, Again, you know, in the trenches. We lost this game in the trenches. It wasn't anywhere else. Like, you know, Daniel Jones didn't throw an interception in the fourth quarter down one score. That's not why we lost. We didn't lose because... Deontay Bakes and Trey Hawkins got beat up. We didn't lose because Xavier McKinney got beat up. We didn't lose because Dexter Lawrence got up, got beat up. We lost because the guys on the outside of the trenches got beat up. We lost because Aziz Ojalari and Kayvon Thibodeau couldn't seal the edge. We lost because they couldn't get after the, the pass usher, uh, the, the quarterback, rather. We lost because, our, because Evan Neal was awful, and Glowinski did not support at all either. So, you know, we lost this game in the trenches – and that has been the epitome of this Giants team for years, man. We couldn't rush the passer. Uh, we couldn't protect the quarterback. I mean, that's really what it's been for the Giants and, and for a decade now. Like, we've been awful in the trenches, and I, I don't know where to go from here, man. Dexter Lawrence, stud, he's great. You know, I think he's going to show up every single week, and Leonard Williams will get better. Uh, but I, but you know what? Like As long as Aziz Ojalary and Kayvon Thibodeau are struggling, as long as Evan Neal is struggling, this team is going to lose games. And if those guys step up, we're going to see this team turn it around and hit the restart button. We're going to see these guys compete and at least – beat some teams but as long as those guys are struggling we got no chance you know we don't stand a chance and, and ultimately like that's kind of the reality of this team so you know what is your reaction to that you know those two outside linebackers just really doing absolutely nothing against Dallas.
1: My reaction is not a pretty one, I'll tell you that. I'm just disappointed, man. These are two guys that I was really high on pre-draft. I've been really high on since they joined the Giants. Going into the season, I said both of these guys were going to have big breakout campaigns, and I thought that both of them could realistically crack double-digit sacks. Now, I don't know if I feel that way. I don't know if I feel like these are guys that can crack double-digit sacks because they got locked up by backup offensive linemen who were out there because there were injuries to Dallas' front. So... I don't know what to make of those two right now. I think that let's look at how this next week goes. We're going up against um, the Arizona Cardinals who surrendered only three sacks last week. I mean, only three. It's a pretty decent number. Maybe we can go up against this Cardinals front and we could see a Kayvon Thibodeau breakout game or Aziz Ojolari has a sack. I'd like to see that, but we talked a lot about Kayvon Thibodeau being a primetime performer, right? Kayvon the closer, Mr. Primetime himself. It didn't happen this week. I mean, this was definitely the worst primetime performance that I can remember out of Kayvon Thibodeau. Last time he went... And you know what? I I, I won't even make the excuse for him and say, you know, he was going up against Tyron Smith, who's a great, you know, one of the best uh, offensive tackles of all time. Sure, that's true. But last year, he was also going up against Tyron Smith, and he did a lot better than that. I mean, when you're thinking about that Thanksgiving game uh, last year, Kayvon Thibodeau had nine pressures, and he was going up against pretty much the same group of offensive linemen that he went up against last night, and he got zero pressures. So... I don't know how it's possible that every single level of this team, every single player on this team, had regression. Like, everybody took a step backwards in this game. I don't know how it's possible. They prepared all offseason long. They prepared for the last several weeks for Dallas. They had scripted plays. They had a plan in place. And everybody just failed to execute. And that includes the coaching staff. Like you said earlier, Brian Dable leaving Daniel Jones in the game, just allowing him to get hurt mind-boggling. I don't understand what Dable was doing there. I don't understand what Kafka was doing. I don't think that Wink-Martindale... Honestly, I don't think Wink-Martindale did that poorly. Um, I'm actually going to say that because I thought that the first... Few drives of the game, the Giants defense did a pretty decent job bending but not breaking. There were red zone opportunities for Dallas that they didn't convert on. The pass defense overall was pretty good. Dak Prescott finished the game with like 146 yards and zero touchdowns. It was all on the ground and it was all the turnovers that the Giants had. They gave up 14 points on offense and special teams. Um, And then, of course, uh, Dallas just ran the ball down her throat. So I'm not really going to blame Wink Martindale all that much. But the players got to execute. They got to show up and play better. Um, and one last thing that I will blame uh, Wink Martindale for... I don't want to see Kayvon Thibodeau out in coverage anymore, Alex. I'm really sick of it. I think that it's just stupid. He drops him into coverage way too often. I, yes, there was that play against Washington last year where Kayvon Thibodeau dropped in the coverage and made the game-winning tackle Taylor Heineke. I remember that play. Great play by Kayvon Thibodeau. But there has been so many different plays where Kayvon Thibodeau drops into the coverage and just never sees the ball coming because he doesn't know how to play in coverage and the ball just flies past his head and it's a completion. I just think this was a total failure from everybody. Uh, I even take back what I said about Wink Martindale. I didn't want to rag on him. I got to rag on him. I got to rag on everybody. From the top to the bottom, this was a bad performance. And to make matters worse, Andrew Thomas banged up. Deontay Banks was a little bit banged up. Even Graham Gano was banged up. I think this is something that's flying under the radar here. Graham Gano went to the x-ray room following last night's game, and he didn't have any boot on his right foot. So his kicking foot seems to be injured. I'm sorry, but when your kicker has an injured kicking foot, you're kind of screwed in that department. So I'm going to be holding my breath for Andrew Thomas. I'm going to be holding my breath for Graham Gano, Deontay Banks. I'm hoping that these guys are healthy. They're able to turn around quickly. And it's on the Arizona at this point. We've said all that we could say. We're going to continue to talk about it all week. But right now, Alex, I guess we just got to look ahead to Arizona and hope that we see something better. The Cardinals are supposed to be the worst team in the NFL this year. They didn't look too bad on Sunday afternoon against Washington. They didn't lose by all that much. They might be a team that surprises, I guess. But the Giants, it's a must-win game. I I hate to say that so early in the season, but it really is a must-win game because when you look at this upcoming schedule after this Cardinals game, you've got the Niners, you've got Seattle coming up, you've got Buffalo coming up, Miami. Miami looks phenomenal, too. Like, this is a tough schedule. We knew that. The Giants needed to get off to a hot start. Right now, they're off to the worst start that I've ever seen. So if they do not win Week 2 against the Arizona Cardinals the conversation becomes a pretty intense and tough one to have. So they got to win next week, Alex. And I'll let you have any more closing thoughts on this performance and even looking ahead to Arizona before we wrap here.
0: Um, Yeah, look, like you said, next week is a must win because – if you start compounding losses after that type of defeat, it only gets worse. You know, you gotta get a taste of victory. You gotta feel that little bit of confidence. Say, all right, we put this behind us. The Giants, the Giants can't walk away next week saying, We tried our hardest, but we lost. You need to walk away from next week saying, We put good football on the field, we fixed a lot of the problems that we had this in week one, and we put that shit behind us. Cause that's the only way you're saving this season, is putting it behind you. Forgetting about it. Winning does that. Winning will make everybody forget about what happened. Losing and having a close game. Like if you're a Yankee fan, how many times have you heard Aaron Boone say, you know, we did we did good things but we just couldn't get a win. We, we had good at-bats and the guy struck out four times. If You know what I'm talking about if you're a Yankee fan. But if you're a Giants fan... Brian Dable doesn't go out and say those things very often. He doesn't say, like, oh, we did good stuff. He says, we sucked, man. He said it yesterday. Everyone needs to be better. The players, the coaches, everybody. Um, Saquon said it yesterday. He was like, the coaches have to be better. The players have to be better. The leaders have to be better. But I'll tell you what. The leaders stepped up and took accountability for it. And I t- and I respect that. I respect the fact that the players took- came out after the game and said, we sucked, man. We have to be better. We know we're better than that. We And look, as, as tough as this is, this team is too talented to be that bad. You know what I mean? We have talent on this roster. We know that Kayvon Thibodeau can perform well. We know that Aziz Ojalari can perform well. We have seen it. We've seen it before, guys. This is not a situation where like, Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojalari are going to put together zero sacks combined again. We know these guys can play well. We know Leonard Williams has been one of the best, you know, interior guys in football for a long time. We know that you know Bobby Okereke is coming off a tremendous season with with uh, you know the Colts. We know that Paris Campbell has legit speed. We know Waller has been elite in the past. We know these. Guys are better than what we saw yesterday. I don't think we're going to see that type of performance again because Dable's not going to let that happen. However, there were coaching mistakes yesterday, as you mentioned, leaving Daniel Jones in for too long, leaving Andrew Thomas in for too long. That definitely got me a little bit concerned. He's done this type of stuff in the past. You remember the Adore Jackson punt situation. You Why are you using your CB1 as your punt returner? Like stuff like that you can't i can't even fathom doing something like that like it, logically like that just defeat defies logic so there are things that dable needs to get better at doing including don't sacrifice your players for no reason most of the time you're just fair catching punts anyway why are you get why are you throwing out a dory jackson and return punts like, it's just stupid like let alone why are you putting up why are you letting daniel jones get, get hit in the grill over and over again because your tackles can't or you know i guess yeah both tackles at that point andrew thomas off the field can't block anybody, you know what I mean? So it's it's just um, it's malpractice at times. That's the best way to say it. But I don't think this team is as bad as what we saw. I think this was a wake up call. I think this was guys, I think you guys bought it too much into the hype, you know what I mean, I think we bought too much into the hype, and how how many times have we gotten bit in the butt, man, how many times have we been on the wrong side of this, I mean and look, it's not just us, it's the whole fan base we're all, we all we want to see is good Giants football, all we, all we see is everything through rose-colored glasses, yesterday we saw yesterday, I mean, we saw the game um, you know, as if we were just put in hell, and we were forced to stay down, you know, just forced to stay down there until that game was over, man, I mean at a certain point, I was like, yo, I, I deserve to watch the rest of this game, man. I I was I was so excited about this team. I deserved to watch them finish this game in, in just pure embarrassment and pure defeat. So I sat there like an idiot and I watched the full game. And I went to and I woke up with a headache this morning. I was I thought I was in a nightmare because it was just bad. Like it was all around disappointing, but guys. Um, you know it. <laughs> Hopefully, all we can do is hope that it's better next week. Hopefully, all we can all we can do is forget what happened to us right now um, and put a win on the on the field. Man, a one a a win in the win column, a one in that win column after week two it'll make us forget about what happened in week one. I can guarantee you that we'll, we can forget about what happened if we can get back in the win column. And then we keep going from there. You compete against the Florida Niners. You don't get your freaking shit rocked. You know, you compete against a good team and you show that you, that was a fluke, man. It just got, it just spiraled out of control. The team was too excited. The jitters were there. Now you're look, you're starting from rock bottom. Now, again, how many times have the giants done that started from rock bottom? You start from rock bottom. You work your way up. Um, and, Yo, the Giants have nothing to lose now, right? Like, everyone thinks we suck now. Um, If you're the Giants, you're saying, look, no one's thinking that we're that good anymore. Everything's thinks that we're a joke. Now we, get to, now we get to prove to them that we're not. So I think that's the message I would send to them is like, look, you guys are a joke in everybody's eyes. You got a chance to prove that you're not a joke. Um, you're not starting from the top of the bunch anymore. You're not to, you're not starting from the 14th in the power ranking. You're just starting from 30 fucking two. So that's where I would be if I'm Brian Dable. You guys have something to prove. Um, so that's where I, I'm at. I think that we're going to see much better performance next week. But again i gonna come down to the trenches, and it's gonna come down to left tackle. If Andrew Thomas is forced to miss any time, it's gonna come down to Evan Neal and Mark Lewinsky. And uh, look, as long as they're performing poorly, I have no faith in this team. But if they can step up and play at least admirably, we have a shot. So I guess I'll leave it. With, I'll leave it there.
1: It's a good place to leave it. I think you make a lot of good points there in terms of turning things around because you're right. I mean, if the Giants march into Arizona and they win 40 to zero then we forget about week one. But if they just barely scrape by Arizona, I don't think that we forget about it, to be honest. And if they lose, oh, we definitely won't forget. We're going to be having a really tough time next week Up the Giants start this season 0-2. But I'm going to keep some shred of confidence here, some shred of hope, because... We like you said, Alex, we know that the New York Giants are better than what they looked like last night. Objectively, that has to be true based on the talent that we added this offseason, based on the talent we saw on the field last year, based on the fact that Brian Dable was AP coach of the year last season. Like we know that there is better football ahead from the New York Giants and there simply has to be so. I guess that is a good place to leave it, Alex. I agree with you. Um, And, man, I'm really disappointed that we had to have this conversation today and react to a loss, but here we are. Hopefully next week it's the opposite and we're getting really hyped and celebrating a win. But, of course, everyone... Make sure to leave a like if you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. And please comment your thoughts on last night's game down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. And go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one. And let's go Giants.